so the market is phenomenal. I mean, we got 14 million visitors was the high, and that was like 2021 COVID to the free national park. And the year prior to that was 12 something. Last year was 13. So we are still seeing like a true influx of like millions of visitors a year. It's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there. But how can we determine which strategies will best align with our financial ambitions? Well, you've come to the right spot. Whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur, a passive investor, or looking to get into real estate investing, our goal is to provide investors with insights and strategies for building our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Daniel Nichols, and this is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Daniel Nichols, accompanied by our guests for the week, Leslie Ann Morris. And today we are the two smart assets. For those not yet familiar with Leslie, she is a real estate entrepreneur focusing on the incredibly lucrative short-term rental asset class. She closed in her first investment cabin in 2019, and the cash flow from that property allowed her to rapidly scale her portfolio to double digits in a value of $7 million in less than three years. And today she's sharing her playbook to motivate others to do the same while creating truly passive income in short-term rentals. Leslie, it's great to see you. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Danny. Thanks for having me. Yeah, super pumped to dive into it today. You know, I love short-term rentals and, you know, we don't actually talk about it a ton on the show, but we're trying to introduce it more to our listeners. So super excited about this conversation. Before we dive into it though, let's hear about uh, more about you, your background, your story, and how you got into short-term rentals. Sure. It's totally by accident. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. There's a lot of things that kind of led me to real estate investing. One was just sick of, you know, the W-2 world. Um, I enjoyed what I was doing. I was really passionate. I was in banking. I was in commercial banking specifically. So I knew quite a bit about underwriting. And I had clients, you know, when I was much in my much younger days that I just 20 questioned them when I would meet with them on an annual basis and say, how did you build your real estate portfolio? Tell me, how did you get 300 properties? Why is your tax return this big? <laughs> and so they kind of just mentored and coached me. And I just thought, you know, that takes a ton of money. I'm never going to get there. Well, I got there. It was like 2019. So only, you know, three, three and a half years ago, I um, began buying properties when I was living and working in Los Angeles and pursuing a master's degree. So I just kind of had like a lot of things pinnacle at once. Um, and I was going to buy just, you know, a single family home, boring, long-term rental, small margin, you know, make a few hundred dollars a month, whatever, as my jumping point. Mm. Well, that deal just kind of blew up overnight and the gentleman selling his home decided not to sell his home. And my agent at the time said, what would you like to do? And I said, well, just let me think on this and go back to the drawing board because now I'm worried what if somebody in the middle of the night decided to just leave and not pay me rent and this thing is out of state. So then I kind of just went back to the drawing board and somehow, some way found the Smoky Mountains. And it really resonated with me um, because I was a traveler. Uh, I like to say in a past life, I've been to 45 countries because wow. I don't, all I do is real estate now. I don't really travel as much, you know, yeah. if I travel it's for real estate stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, the rest is history. I ended up falling in love with Smoky Mountains, which is like Eastern Tennessee. And I ended up moving to Tennessee in 2020. And then I bolted on some businesses that kind of grew out of my short-term rental portfolio. 
That is, that is awesome. And I love how you said you got into it kind of accidentally, right? I love how, I love these stories, right? Cause you hear that from a number of different people, but I really like this story as well. And, you know, I definitely want to dive into that. We want to talk about your companies. We want to talk about the Smokies and, you know, the popularity of short-term rentals there. But before we do that, you know, um, can you give us kind of just a general overview of what you're seeing in the short-term rental market right now? I know we're, there's a lot of news and stuff, uh, maybe some negative news uh, people are putting out there. Can you get, just shed some light on, on what's going on or what you're seeing with boots on the ground? Sure. Yeah. I mean, what happened was it's always, there's always been short-term rentals. They previously were called overnight rentals, primarily in vacation markets, your traditional vacation markets of which Smoky Mountains is one of them. And so during the pandemic, you know, we had a lot of people cancel. They're really worried. What the hell's a pandemic? What's my life going to look like? They quickly realized, oh, wait a minute. Like I can go work remotely and be in this beautiful home on this lake or in the mountains or on the beach or whatever. And just like any other thing, especially like in the United States, I mean, this has been a worldwide movement, but in the United States, when something like that, you know, everybody started to discover to use Ubers instead of taxi and Uber just became like a buzz term. That same thing happened in short-term rentals around Airbnb. Mm. And, you know, the Airbnb's done some really good marketing strategies to plug in people. It's just like, use your car to drive around, use your home to make a dollar so it was already a thing. Short-term rentals were already a thing. And it just blew up during the pandemic. Um, we still have seen a shift away from working in an office and being more virtual, more remote. I do get people that come to work from my cabins even still. Um, but then you started to see a comp compression because what happened was like all these investors that weren't even their newbie people that just wanted like a vacation home and put it on Airbnb, see if it can make its mortgage. We That just like took off and and... I don't think it, it didn't really oversaturate, but it just it increased tremendously. Um, we are seeing a little bit of oversaturation in certain markets around that where, you know, now your price point to get into the deal is much higher. Your interest rate is much higher. And we are still seeing um, ADRs, average daily rates in short-term rental world increasing, but they're increasing at a less spread than even inflation is. So mm. I think last year they increased by 5%, but inflation was closer to six. So you're seeing some of that. You're seeing people where before, like even when I got invested in short-term rentals, I was not even really underwriting the deal. I knew underwriting, I knew cap rate, all of the structure because it was my day job. But I was like, this is a single family home. You don't need a cap rate. Like just it's, you can tell easily, you can close your eyes, pick one and it's going to make money. Well, that kind of started to not be the case. Mm. Now you need to really sharpen your pencil. You need to do underwriting. You need to have a team that knows how to market the thing. And so we're kind of seeing this fluctuation right now where we've got investors that should not have bought exiting and then um, even new investors stepping up now, seeing that there's an opportunity. And I think that's just how real estate works. You kind of, you get in when you get in. And right. you like now you might be getting in when appreciation is going to be lower for you, but maybe you're investing strictly for cash flow. And if you're doing that and you know underwriting and you know the market, you can still be very successful. Yeah. And I think that uh, just from just exactly what you just said, uh, you know, a lot of people, you might be hearing negative news about short term rentals, but like you said, it's really depends on the market, right? That's not every market. This is not just a general statement you can make across the United States or wherever, right? Uh, it's very localized. And, and, and so just piggybacking off what you said, you know, I think that, you know, after this huge boom during COVID, right, you know, this just things going crazy, right? Maybe we're seeing a little bit of a normalization. Is that, is that fair to say? 
Yeah. Yes. And I mean, we're still seeing, particularly in Smoky Mountains, we're seeing um, sellers still thinking that it's their market. And it's mm. in some cases still is in the Smokies. And I can be happy to get into all that. But it's like, you know, they've owned the cabin since the beginning of time when it was built and they don't sure. have a mortgage. And so they're not going to drop off their price because they're making a good cash flow already. Um, but we are seeing, you know, prices softening a little bit on the non-turnkey uh, properties that are listed. So it's it's an interesting time. It's still, I think, a good time to explore it, especially if it's resonating with you and you feel passionate about it. Like that's the right thing to explore at any time when that happens. You right. Know? Right. Yeah. So just diving into the Smokies, let's let's take it from there and, and go that direction. Can you give us kind of just an overview of that market and expand on kind of why that's been your target market and kind of what's going on in that area? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love cabins. So in that market, you get people that are coming there specifically to book a rustic cabin. Mm. And I have buyers, especially buyers from the West Coast. They're like, oh, we don't like the look and feel of this. We want it to have white walls and this and that. And I'm like, but you're need to cater to the tourist, the avatar that's visiting that market. Sure. So they are looking for cabins. They prefer to be isolated in the mountains, um, hot tubs, pool tables. These are essentially luxury homes. They are not a shack by any means. They are not cabins, um, but they are, you know, tongue and groove. They really feel like you're somewhere special. Okay. Um, and then there's kind of like a trifecta of like where you want to target to buy. And I coach and mentor clients on it. But essentially we're looking at like Sevierville, Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg. So those three little cities and you're kind of targeting within, you know, a short drive of one of the major sites. And so like Dollywood is a major site the Ripley's Aquarium, the island in Pigeon Forge. So you're kind of trying to be within 20 minutes of one of those spots because the tourists, I mean, they're building, they're building the area up. We've got Bucky's is coming in. We've got Jack Daniels. Okay. Um, there's another, like a French company is doing some sort of amusement park. They've signed a land lease there. Uh, so there's tons of stuff. Guy Fieri just opened a 43,000 square foot like Dave and Buster's. It's awesome. Uh, really good, really good food. Um, but so that kind of stuff just keeps coming and coming. So the market is phenomenal. I mean, we got 14 million visitors was the high and that was like 2021 COVID to the free national park. And the year prior to that was 12 something last year was 13. So we are still seeing like a true influx of like millions of visitors a year. Wow. It's a year round market. We do have like low, low periods, like back to school, January, February, those are a little bit lower, but you're still booking weekends. Um, it allows you to take the property down and do some CapEx projects, whatever that might look like for you. Um, but I love the market. It's fun. And the type of guests too, that we get are quality guests. They take care of the places. You know, I do a lot of screening within my, you know, strategy of how I rent the places, but for the most part, you're getting families, you're getting like a woman 35 to 55 years old with a family and maybe an extended family that's planning these vacations. So mm. it's really, they're not coming there to party and go crazy. They're coming there to have like a low key cabin vacation. So it's quite fun. Yeah. But it's so, but this is a destination market, right? These people are coming here intentionally to be in that area. Correct. And that's probably the big, one of the biggest draws to your cabins. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah. So we're within like, I think the statistic says that 60% of the United States population is within an eight hour drive or less of the Smoky Mountains. So we're like, 
perfectly centered. And we get people from overseas. We get, you okay. know, people coming from London and flying in from all sorts of places because it's like notorious and, you know, it's, I mean, it's quite beautiful there sure. with the mountains. It's, yeah. it's really, really cool. Absolutely. So you're still seeing strong demand uh, in your properties mm -hmm. in that market. What is, you know, a lot of people calling for recession. Maybe we're already in recession. It depends on who you talk to, right? Um, what do you? How do you expect short-term rentals to perform over the next twelve months? Maybe you can talk about your market and your properties. Just kind of, just trying to try to yeah. pick your band on this. Yeah, I mean, I think that we did see a little bit of a slowdown in travel simply because we had such a heyday um, over the last few years. We had our first back to school in what two or three years this past mm. August, September. So we did see a slowdown. But when you're looking at short-term rentals and you're looking at like a market, let's say any market, you need to be looking at why someone would come there. If you're buying something in the middle of the woods from like a movie where people are murdered, there's a movie about that, like a cabin in the woods, <laughs> is it mercy? Yeah. That's <laughs> that it. might not rent well because yeah. like it's in the middle of nowhere. But if you're buying a cabin and it's, you know, it feels very like I own some that are secluded on acreage, but you're within 20 minutes of like sure. everything you'd ever want to do. That's what people are having these like amazing vacations doing that. So my expectation, um, I have uh, account managers assigned from all the different, you know, OTAs that I book on Airbnb, Verbo, Expedia Group. Uh, there's a ton of them. Um, their sentiment is that we did see a little bit. We just came out of like a slowdown. So we saw August through basically now as mm -hmm. like a slower period, although with the Smokies, that's I could argue I could argue that because we sure. did really well. But um, now they're expecting spring to just explode because people did take like a little bit of time off vacationing. But I think these vacation markets, these are going to stay. They are drivable markets. If somebody gets maybe, you know, inflation is affecting their wallet, they're maybe they, I don't know, didn't lose their job, but they're not getting a raise like they're accustomed to just because people are like battening down their hatches again. They're still going to go to those drivable markets for a vacation. Um, and so you just want to make sure that you're in that market where people would travel to. And also you have something that fits what most people are looking for. So don't buy like, you know, some huge cabin that's maybe going to sit empty or some little tiny one bathroom that's mm. for like a couple, maybe something in the middle there. Like my, my wheelhouse is like a two bed, two bath or a three bed, three okay. bath. I have quite a few of those and they perform really well. A couple could rent, you know, something that sleeps eight because it's like a beautiful property and they want more space, but that's harder to do if the place is like, you know, $3,000 a night and it sleeps 30. It's harder sure. to get that. So, but there's different strategies. I have investor friends that do luxury short-term rentals and they, you know, there's, you can make a case for anything performing well, but I like to just have peace of mind that it's going to book and I don't need to worry about it. So that's, yeah. Smoky Mountains, for sure. Yeah, I, and I love that. And you you brought in a lot of great tips. You know, make sure you're, you're intentional about what kind of what size property you're buying, bed, bath, all that mm -hmm. stuff, and also the drivable market. I think that's huge, right? We saw that in COVID, and I don't think that's going away, right? It's just one of those things. Can you drive to that to that destination? If you can, it's massive, right? It's a win. Yeah, yeah. And so, totally. and so, you know, you, we kind of mentioned, you know, you want to make sure that you're kind of you covering your back end, all that stuff. And so, let's just play a little. Uh, role play here, you know, let's just say that maybe there's going to be some sort of recession in the next, you know, I don't, whatever, six, 12 months, whatever it is. Are you giving maybe some of the clients you're working with, some of the investors you're working with, or maybe even yourself, um, some advice on how to navigate a potential downturn, or maybe, maybe you give us some insight on how you're positioning yourself or maybe advising mm -hmm. your clients or investors to position themselves in case stuff go, does go sideways. 
Yeah, sure. I mean, so most of the underwriting we do is around NOI and cash on cash. We don't, like I said, don't do cap rate. So I'm looking personally at 20% or more. I think my last deal I took down the NOI on, it's like 45 grand. So there's room in that to see sure. a drop in occupancy. The other thing um, is cash reserves are really key. You know, I mentor and coach clients on if you're buying something like I bought a, my last deal I took down was a 2022 build. So I'm not going to have like a maintenance CapEx. I'm just not, it's under warranty still. So why would I do that? But I bought a cabin September and it is older. You know, I think it was built maybe in early 2000s, maybe 2010, but still you're getting to that like obsolescence age where you're going to start seeing flooring. Like, in fact, we've talked about carpet in that one. Um, so you do want to have some sort of like figure for that. Now, in the event of like a total downturn and nobody's traveling anymore and you're heavily leveraged and everything's right, and you might be in trouble. <laughs> now, is that going to be the Smokies? Probably not. That's going to be somewhere like, um, I think when Smokies got really uh, expensive, which was, you know, a couple of years ago, people started, um, investors started going out further. And so they were going into like um, Blue Ridge, into North Carolina, into Georgia, and you saw those markets start to like rise in prices. And then people were like, now we're going off grid. We're buying something <laughs> with an outhouse. No, I'm kidding. But, um, but but those places, because they were able to get in there at a lower price per square foot, those places will be the first to stop. Travelers will stop coming there sooner because there's less to do when they come. So I think that's the key. You know, I have clients that want to buy, you know, beach properties. So they have something cool to use for themselves. That's a great strategy if you're trying to get into this, something that you will also use yourself. Sure. Um, having realistic expectation around, is it going to make money or is it going to break even and why? Uh, making sure your underwriting is really tight. I mean, that's going to be key going into any kind of downturn with, with, yeah. with any industry, really. Just making sure that you've got the basis covered. Totally agree. Uh, you know, you hit on a couple of things there and just got to reiterate, Super important to be conservatively underwriting pretty much all the time, right? But especially if you're if you're buying something now, you want to make sure your underwriting is spot on. And then to your point, uh, just bringing that up again, cash reserves. I think uh, just as you said, any part of real estate right now, you need to have cash reserves. You know, it's just kind of one of those things. It's it doesn't matter what you're in. If you don't have cash reserves, you're probably going to have some problems. So um, I think that was great tips there, Leslie. Appreciate you going to that. Um, so let let's kind of turn the page a little bit and dive into a little bit more of your wheelhouse here. You know, most of our listeners that lean more to the, the passive investing side, uh, short-term rentals are basically, you know, kind of a, a hospitality product, if you say, right. And we know that those can be very labor intensive, right. Uh, but uh, so let's dive into that a little bit. What are the options for those investors wanting to participate in short-term rentals without being responsible for every aspect of operations? Yeah, that's a highly contentious topic. I feel like yeah. we're always arguing that. Um, I'm a big proponent of being a passive investor because I created a job for myself when I started investing. I was self-managing. When I got to five units, I then created a property management company and we now offer services for others. Um, do you want to create a job for yourself? How passionate are you when you get a text in the middle of the night and they're like, oh, toilets plug. Like, what are you, and you're out of state. Like, no, that's not a good strategy. I think if you're going to just have a couple and you're doing it like as a hobby, 
Sure, self-manage away. It's very easy to do. You don't need to spend much money to do it. In fact, there's even automated tools that I coach people on. They can set up and do it themselves. But if you're looking to scale this the way I did, I mean, I have 11 right now and I'm building number 12 and I will probably take down at least two or three deals this year. I'm constantly looking to grow it. Sure. Um, I might even 1031 out of a few, but if you're looking to, to build that sort of portfolio in short-term rentals, you really need to partner with strong property managers in your market. And there's a whole knack to this. I am writing the book on it. There's so much to think about. It's not just finding a property management company and having them manage it, but doing your due diligence to make sure they know what the heck they're doing. There's a lot of management companies. These people are not investors. They just bought a, bought a company and stepped into it. They don't really know like how to market and how to take care of a real estate asset. Because again, it's like, it's, this is their business, but they weren't in the business of investing. So because I started as an investor, I've set up my company differently. Um, you know, we manage it like we own it. And I work as an agent as well. I won't sell you a property. I wouldn't also want to manage. And there's a reason for that because you might want me to manage it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I could talk about it all day long, but I really do think that the best strategy um, for people in real estate, unless, like I said, you want to leave your job and you want to become a short-term rental manager, uh, get a property management company. Yeah. I Interview a bunch like you would a contractor, really. Yeah, that's a great tip. And I think there's a lot of people who who don't want to be answering texts in the middle of the night, right? Whether, you know, short-term rental, long-term rental doesn't matter, right? But it's just not something that somebody wants to take on, especially a busy professional, right? They already have a job. They're probably raising a family. Like they're not interested in doing any of that, right? They just want to return on their money. So I think that's, it's great to hear that it's possible to do this in short-term rental. So uh, yeah. I know you mentioned, uh, you know, get a property manager. Let's just take this back a little bit. Let's say somebody is like, Leslie, this sounds great. I want, I'm interested in short-term rentals but I want to be passive, right? And that's where they're at right now. That's as far as they've gotten. So what are maybe one or two action items they could take just to get moving in the right direction? I mean, so in Smoky Mountains, you have to be pre-approved to shop. I won't even take on a client unless they have a pre-approval letter, but I do have lender contacts. So I will always do like a consultation and just see where they're at. Do they know where their down payment's coming from? Are they pre-approved? Once they figure that out, then we start shopping the market. We get really clear on what resonates with them. You know, obviously this is like a personal investing strategy. Just because I tell you what to buy, it might not be what you want to buy. Sure. Um, maybe you don't want to be in the mountains because the roads are steep to get to the cabin. You want to be in a lower, you know, you want to be on a creek or whatever. Um, and even before that, like market selection, I do coaching on market selection too. And there's a whole way to figure out, you know, where to invest and why. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much like the early stages. And I think the biggest thing is like mindset and daily micro actions. Okay. So if you have this passion around wanting to get a deal done, either get a hire a mentor or a coach that'll ride your butt or figure out the plan and then think backwards from like 90 days, 89, 88. What are those daily little steps that you've got to take to get to where you want to head? If you don't put in something every day, you quickly realize, oh, a week went by and I completely forgot about that goal, which is like, that's like most Americans, unfortunately, it sounds good, but then we don't take action and we don't have follow through. And then we're not able to convert. Like you're just basically just stays a dream. So but uh -huh. take all that. <laughs> No, I, I got to say, you know, I've been guilty of that myself. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's a, that's absolutely perfect. And you're at, and the best thing that, that I like to hear about that is, you know, clarity, clarify what you're trying to do, where you want to do it, pick your market, pick, you know, your spending limit, all that stuff. Right. And then 
I think, again, the most powerful thing is connect with somebody who's already been able to do this successfully, right? And learn from them, connect with them because it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't even have to be real estate. That applies to basically everything. And so I think if you can do that, uh, especially with short-term rentals, connect with Leslie, you're going to be set up just right. So love to hear that. One more question before we get out of here, Leslie, what do you guys focus on for the next um, six, 12 months? You know, basically the rest of 2023. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I'm really busy. Uh, I'm building my property management company up. I'm being really selective on what um, properties I want to manage. They need to be in my, you know, I'm really, like you said, clarity. I'm really clear on what it is I want to do and what I don't want to do. Sure. Um, and then I'm building my um it's called Invest in the Smoky Mountains. It's an agency. So we're working to help you get something that's going to make money. Um, and then I'm also writing the book, the pl passive playbook on short-term rental investing. And then there's another book that's coming out in March um, that I have a chapter in. It's called Hospitable Host. It's very exciting. So make sure you buy that on Amazon. Um, Love it. I'll <laughs> but it's really fun. It's basically like, that's why I was saying this is like a worldwide movement around short-term rentals. The book is comprised of 40 authors from all over the world, kind of doing something very similar to what I'm doing. And, and what does it mean to them to be a hospitable host? And it's, it's, yeah, it's been a labor of love so far, all of it. I mean, I'm just doing so much, Danny. I'm crazy. <laughs> It's awesome. I love it. I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, and we're probably gonna have to get you back on the show as soon as the book comes out, we'll bring you back on. We'll discuss what's going on in the market, all that stuff. And then we can talk about your book. Cause I'm, I'm excited to read it. So when it drops, you got to let us know for sure. But, uh, um, uh, before we get out of here though, tell listeners how they can find out more about you and connect with you. Yeah. Instagram. Um, it's Instagram.com backslash Leslie dot and with an E dot Morris. I share, Everything on there from market sentiment, case studies, underwriting, you know, whatever's going on that week. I'm constantly living, breathing real estate. Um, and then there's a link tree in there and that'll link out to like all my different businesses. You can look at what's in my portfolio and kind of what I'm up to other stuff that I've recorded. Okay, great. We're going to make sure to put that stuff in the show notes. Leslie, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. It's been great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, real quick before we get out of here, do me a huge favor and leave a rating and review for the podcast. We're always looking to bring you guys the best insights and strategies for building our real estate portfolios and your ratings and reviews really help with getting top guest speakers that are the best in the real estate investing business. I promise this will only take you a few seconds and I'd really appreciate it. Thanks for being awesome, guys. Cheers.